Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey everybody, Scott Luton with Supply Chain Now. I'm here at SafePix's annual conference 2023 in lovely, beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. I'm joined as we kick off our, our conference coverage, I'm joined by a good old friend of ours, Tuange Nkandawire with Village Reach. And Tuange, you've brought your colleague, Olivier Defaw. Olivier, how are you doing? Great. Very excited to be here. We are too. And Tuange, great to see you again. It's good to see you. And it's nice to see you face to face. <laughs> Last time we had this conversation, it was in a box. Oh, no you kidding. <laughs> you got to break the boxes. Break Absolutely. the boxes. And the silos and all that good stuff. Exactly. All right. So we're going we're gonna to jump right in today. So um, I want to ask you both. You both have spent a lot of time in this space, this critical intersection where healthcare and supply chain intersect, right? So we got a lot to learn from you both. Um, but what's one thing, Twangay, let's start with you. What's one thing that you wish more global business leaders knew about healthcare supply chain? I think, you know, specifically for me, it's, it's really the opportunities that exist for um, businesses, for different types of service providers in the public health space. You know, we had a workshop yesterday where we had great minds from all over the world uh, looking at different aspects of public health care. And we came to all agree that, you know what, there are ways in which the public sector, the private sector can play together in a way that's beneficial for both. Yes. And I wish more entities knew that that's actually real. I'm with you. And it's critical that that, that happens, right? Because that's how where comes innovation and we can serve more folks. Uh, you know, who, who doesn't need health care? We all do, right? Uh, it's a great starting point. Uh, what would you add, Olivier? What do more folks need to know? Yeah, I had that now the private sector uh, players are trusting the governments, the community of donors into making things work. Mm. For the last decade or two decades actually, the private sector has been very resistant mm. to you know, work with the, with the public sector because of various issues. Right. And now we are addressing those issues from the get-go. And that is really breaking the mistrust and, and really decreasing the risk mm. for them. And therefore, they're more willing to sit down and co-create together. I love so, that. Yeah. So we've got to break those old assumptions, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because lots of things have changed. It sounds, yeah. sounds like uh, uh, those in healthcare and public and private have, have recognized some of those things that had to change mm -hmm. and to make it and, and uh, uh, to break the rules so we're more inviting for more folks from across all industries to, to play, right? And actually one of the, uh, the positive, one positive outcome from the pandemic is that it's possible. Mm -hmm. For responding to the, for the pandemic, it was the private sector and the public health sector, the community of the, the donor community working hands in hands and making it happened and yes. the it is providing COVID vaccine yes. throughout. It's yeah. critical. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to add on yeah, to that, please. I think what was exciting for me about that was it wasn't an isolated thing where one country was able to bridge that, um, to build that bridge. It was across the whole world. So 
you know, organizations, people were collaborating at a global level, regional level, country level, and sometimes even, you know, below the national levels in the countries. So it, it really was exciting for us in the public health space that, look, it can happen across all of these things. Yeah. And we need to make sure we harness those lessons, that we make that normal. It needs to be our day-to-day -day and not just because we were dealing with a crisis. Yes, I, f I feel in my bones what you just shared there, Twanga, because it's got to stick. we got to remember these lessons we learned. Uh, so let's, let's shift gears here. Um, Tuange, you, actually you both are going to be speaking here today at the conference. We've got a jam-packed, a lot of great sessions. So share with us uh, for your keynote, what's one of your main themes that you'll be talking about that you want to convey? Great. So I am on a panel where we're discussing the, the relaunch of what's called the Interagency Supply Group. And this is basically where some of the bigger donors in this space, you know, the U.S. government, the Global Fund, some of the U.N. agencies, they get together so that they can talk, make sure that they are actually meeting the real needs that are out there and that they're getting the synergies from the investments that are coming. A lot of them are, you know, tax, uh, tax dollars. What's exciting for me is for the first time, they're looking to bring in the broader um, community. So bring in what we call implementing partners, so not-for-profit organizations like our own that do the work together right. with governments. And I think for me, what is exciting about that is what Olivier said earlier. It creates an opportunity for us to co-create the right mm. solutions. It's not just about, oh, looking at this, you know, the problem from here and then it gets passed down. It's us sitting down and saying, hey, this is the world we're in. These are the issues that we need to address. How do we make the best use of these resources mm. to fix these problems? I love that. And I love where you started your response there. We gotta bring the executors. Uh, they, they gotta be, you know, uh, uh, how this stuff gets done. They gotta be part of the conversation holistically. Uh, Olivier, how about you? You're speaking, I think, tomorrow. What, what's yeah. your main theme? So the, the panel I'm on is, to discuss the role of one solution that Richard has been involved in testing and evaluating if the use of drone um, will help address the equity gap that we see. So tomorrow we'll be speaking about, for the last decade, we have been successful at generating the evidence of the positive impact of integrating drone as an additional mode of transportation right. to a supply chain and how it benefits the supply chain performance, health outcome as far as um, for the sector that we are um, into, and understanding the true cost of operating mm. a drone network at scale. Yeah. And now that's done, the next big question is, how can we make the use of drone affordable? Yes. Affordable in low and middle income countries. Mm -hmm. And this is where the public-private partnership and the development of a multi-sectorial market development is going to be necessary. Mm. So we're going to really focus on, on that uh, shift of, of approach from a monosectorial to a multi-sectorial market development. I love that. Uh, in my ears, what I hear there is democratizing the use of drone uh, at scale uh, where it can benefit so many folks. Um, all right, so I'll shift gears again. 
So you know I'm a big fan of Village Reach and Noble Mission Yard Own. Uh, we've had a great chance. I've had lots of conversations prior to today. But for our handful of listeners that may have not uh, have missed, you know, they may have missed those earlier episodes. Tuange, talk to us about uh, what Village Reach does in a nutshell, and then we're going to talk about this exciting program, kind of that Olivier already uh, touched on a minute ago about drones. So tell us about Village Reach. So Village Reach, uh, we are a, you know, an organization that's looking at making sure that healthcare services are available for everyone, regardless of who they are, where they are. Um, and it looks at you know, how do we use technology to make sure that primary healthcare services are available. And going forward, we, we're actually spending a lot of time right now thinking through how do we better understand the needs of the people? How do we streamline those feedback loops that help us very quickly understand these are the issues, this is where the issues are, so that we can design systems that respond to that. So we look at that holistically from both the service delivery, private, uh, primary healthcare delivery, but also from a supply chain perspective. How do we build supply chains that are people-centered by understanding what they need and making sure that we're responding to that, getting products to the people? I love that, <laughs> Twange. And that, and that tees us up great. So, Olivia, I want to bring you in here and talk to us about uh, drones for health. You were kind of elaborating some on that earlier, but that's one of the critical new initiatives at Village Reach, right? Yeah, and making sure that the products are available to all the people, all the people, even the hardest to reach, the remote communities. And so that's where the value proposition of the utilization of drone, transport, drone, transport via drone, really comes, it's by enabling the public health supply chain to reach those communities that are isolated. And for the last, well, almost decade, Village Reach has worked in DR Congo, Malawi, Mozambique, and really evaluate the benefits of integrating that drone transport as an additional mode of transportation. And um, like I mentioned, this is it. We, we have many partners, Village Reach is only one of them, who has generated the evidence. Sure. So there's no, no question about, can drone really help reach those unreachable right. and fill up this inequity gap, this equity gap. And um, now it's all about, let's bring all this demand that is so far be segmented, mm. segmented across multiple sectors. But drone is just a mode of transportation. Right. It's a mean to an end. And we need to aggregate that demand across all the different sectors and test different costing models, business costing models, in order to really find the type of model that will enable the sustainable use of drone right. in the health sector and the affordability of yes. that new and transformative technology. That's, I think that's a critical thing, making it a system, a sustainable system, optimize it where, where all, all shareholders can be served no matter where they are, mm -hmm. right? That's what I'm hearing here. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just, that's just a portion of all the great work that Village uh, Reach is doing. All right. So I got to shift gears. We, we don't have enough time today. We could spend all hours of the day and dive into all the cool things you are doing. But I do want to touch on this Products to the People podcast. You're four episodes deep. Really cool. Uh, really have enjoyed uh, seeing it continue to blossom. So Twange, 
Uh, and, and folks, by the way, any of our listeners out there, you can find products to people wherever you get your podcasts. That's almost obligatory yeah, statement so. in podcast <laughs> conversations these days. But what's one of your favorite moments from the first four episodes? Ooh, there were so many of you know, my favorite moments. I think for me, what was most, most exciting is talking to um, a community healthcare worker who's in Malawi, where I'm from, incidentally. And he was talking about just very simple things that we can do to improve data visibility so that we can really build this integrated supply chain that ties in the strategy work you know, at the donor government level um, that ties in the technology that's being brought in. And ultimately, it's about making sure that we have the footprint on the ground. We can get the data from the people right in people's homes with something as simple as a cell phone. You know, you get the data out there. You create, can easily create a demand sensing supply chain that addresses those needs. Mm. I think what was, I mean, and none of that is really new. It's not like it's new technologies, new processes, but it was a reminder of the impact of what supply chain can do. Mm. You know, supply chain management, if we, if we can get that right, we can really save lives. And I think for me, it was a real reminder about why we do everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So. Twange, what a powerful statement you've shared. Uh, I, there's a reason why I've got a Twange tattoo on my left <laughs> arm. That statement right there, supply chain can save lives, especially when we get it right, we can save more lives, to paraphrase. Um, all right. So I want to switch gears. This is a perfect segue. Man, we're like, I think we're second cousins at this point. You can read my mind. So that was, to me, is very inspiring. So Olivia, I want to bring you back in. I know we're still early in the conference, right? But what's been one of the most inspiring conversations or nuggets or maybe challenges uh, from a moment here so far, Olivia? Yeah, um, I'm really hopeful with what I saw yesterday where you had stakeholders from governments, stakeholders from donors, stakeholders from private company, transport company, uh, um, inventory management companies, and so on, implementing partner, sitting together, and talking to each other about what works, what doesn't work, where the room for improvement. So that, for me, seeing this happening is uh, give me hope. Uh, so that's, I mean, like you said, we, we're still early on, but just that it's already, um, for me, a, a success. Yeah, I'm with you. If the dialogue isn't happening, you know, nothing gets solved with a simple conversation, but nothing gets solved without it, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that observation so far, Olivier. All right, Twange, you've already given us an inspiring uh, uh, message, but I'm gonna go back to the well one more time. What's been one of your favorite moments thus far? It, it happened an hour ago on the morning panel where they were talking about artificial intelligence and supply chain. Um, and, you know, talking, there was a question like, well, will AI kill us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe there's a whole lot of conversation out there. Uh, but I think for me, the takeaway was, you know, if, if we don't actually embrace AI, especially in the different phases of supply chain, the planning, um, the sourcing and everything else, we are losing an opportunity to actually, once again, save lives. If we just take the planning, for instance, if we can use AI to, to use the data, there's like so much data out there, 
but it can help us to just you know, get better at how we actually make the right decisions near real-time decisions to actually you know, get back to the business of saving lives. So it won't kill us, but it can allow us to save lives. Tuang, absolutely. Better decisions, faster, teams more confident, uh, empowering the team. There's so The interplay of technology and, and the human factor is fascinating right now. Um, okay. I hate to bring this conversation to an end. This is, I love the vibe I'm getting here. But the good news is there's a lot more conversations and action that's gonna come out of the conference uh, this year. So let's make sure folks know how to reach both of you and Village Reach. So uh, Tuange, uh, let's see here, Mkandawire, right? Goodness gracious, I, you know, I've been known to get my kids' names wrong, to be fair. Uh, but how can folks connect with it, Twange? So I am on LinkedIn, Tiwonge Mkandawire. It's easy to find if you can spell it. Um, also, if you, you know, as you said, the podcast, uh, products to people on wherever you get your podcast, and you get to hear my voice again and many others. Wonderful. And Village Reach, villagereach.org, right? Yeah. Twange, wonderful. All right, so Olivier, great to meet you here today. I love what you're doing with Village Reach, and of course this uh, Drones for Health program, which is gonna be game changing, right? Tell us how we can connect with you. Yeah, I'm two ways. There is personal way, just go on LinkedIn, Olivier Defau, and you'll find me there. Or just go to search Outsource Transport Resource Center. That's a center that's recently been launched, and this is really focusing on partnership between the private and the public sector bringing together. Um, and so if you're interested into how does it work and um, experience about outsource, outsourcing to the private sector, that's a great, uh, great site to go. So Outsource Resource Center, um, just Google that and you'll find it. Appreciate your time and consideration of being here today, but thank you for what you're doing to really make the world a much better place. Uh, so Tuange and Olivier, great to have you here today. Thank you for having us you here. Bet. Yeah. My pleasure. All right, folks, hopefully you enjoy this conversation as much as I have. Man, what a great start. Uh, but hey, check out all of our uh, coverage from the SafeX Annual Conference 2023 at Supply Chain Now, of course, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, don't forget about products to people and stay tuned for a lot more coverage to come. Here by Scott Luton with Supply Chain Now. I'm here with you at the SAPIX Annual Conference 2023 in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. I'm joined for this episode with Kofi Niame and Dominique Zwinkels, both with People That Deliver. Kofi, how you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Wonderful. Great to have you here today. And you're joined by an old friend, kind of, of Supply Chain Now, Dominique Zwinkels. Do uh, Dominique, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. And we're going to fill you in on exactly why uh, she's part of the OG uh, crowd at Supply Chain Now. But I'm going to start. So, Kofi, you uh, now serve as chair of People That Deliver, an organization we're big fans of. Um, so tell us, uh, for a few handful of listeners that may not know out there, tell us about the organization's mission. Thank you, Scott. So the People That Deliver is all about people. It is all about delivery of logistics for the healthcare systems that we have. And the mission of people that deliver focuses on developing a competent workforce, developing a resourceful workforce and a motivated workforce mm -hmm. that would be available both in the public and private sector 
to ensure that the products that we have to provide healthcare are available. A lot of times, we look at the supply chain system from the perspective of providing the commodity. But who is behind it? Who is ensuring that the proper quantification is done, the proper planning is done, the logistics are done, etc.? Whether it's a doctor, whether it's a pharmacist, whether it's a logistician, they need to possess the requisite competencies mm. that are needed to be able to do it. So people that deliver sets out to convene, to coordinate, and to advocate for proper professionalization of that service. Those who are in that role should have the proper competencies. The system must recognize them. The professional accord needs to be given to them. The organization needs to ensure that the positions are recognized and the positions are adequately resourced mm. to be able to provide the services that are needed. Kofi, that is a, that's a huge mission. And it's hugely critical to get to drive those health outcomes for every for all parties, all shareholders, as you uh, touched on earlier, and we're going to talk more about in a second. So, Dominique, yes. I want you to follow up to that uh, that uh, noble mission of people that delivers on. What would you add? And then I'm going to ask you about uh, a major win here in a minute. Okay. So, um, I would add that so people that deliver, we are the global technical leader uh, if, in human resources for supply chain management for low and middle income countries. Um, and so as the global technical leader, we have developed a lot of uh, very foundational um, approaches, methodologies, resources, tools to help build that qualified and empowered supply chain workforce. Um, and I think the, very, the, the, the one framework I want to speak about right now is this supply chain management professionalization framework. It's really the first of its kind. Um, it aligns um, basically a career pathway, education, and professional opportunities for, for those working, for those professionals working in health supply chain management. Um, it's a way for countries to start thinking about building that body of professionals in their country. And basically, I, um, I just uh, came back from a, or I just came from Rwanda, where we yeah. had a meeting with the East African community, six countries. Yes. All of them have um, basically signed a roadmap in which, in which they are basically saying they will professionalize the health supply chain management worker in their countries. Um, and therefore, you know, enacting legislation where there will become a standard in those countries. And that's just, for me, that's like the biggest win. That's like the <laughs> operationalization of the mission, that's right? right? Exactly. And you're reading my mind. That, yeah. I, I was going to ask you about uh, the latest and greatest win. That is a massive win. Six countries. It's a massive win for us. Okay. Absolutely. But I have more wins. Okay. But <laughs> Let me, well, before you do, before you share another win, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we're all in this for the wins, real outcomes, right? Real action, yeah. real outcomes. But this phrase you, so when me and you and Greg White and Jenny Froome got together, it's probably been two, two years, maybe two and a half years now, you shared this phrase, no product, no program. And it really stopped us in our tracks because, I don't know about you, Kofi, I'm a big fan of simplicity, mm -hmm. right? And if that phrase doesn't simply put so many things the right way and, and get to why we do what we do, yeah. I'm not sure what does. You have to check your pulse if, uh, if that doesn't speak to you. So... But, but there's more wins. There's more wins. So if you had one more win you wanted to share, Dominique, before I go back to Kofi, what would that be? Yeah, I just, I, I, I was thinking about this question whereby when I started almost eight years ago in 2016, right. um, my second day, I had a board meeting. 
And basically I was tasked with figuring out a sunset strategy for people that deliver. And basically I said no. <laughs> and I forged forward and now we're eight years later. And I just want to say that you know, I've been able to um, sustain a global community that's working together to really uh, provide a recognition to this issue of, of the, the need to develop a qualified and empowered health supply chain workforce. Um, and so I, I just wanted to mention that. Like, I think that's, for me, a huge Fulfilling. Win. It's gratifying. It, it is gratifying. Yeah. Exactly. And to be able to work with people and professionals and leaders like Kofi, I want to bring you back into the conversation, Kofi, because uh, I want to quote something you shared as you were coming on as chair of People That Deliver. You talked about uh, how much of a priority you want to uh, put uh, uh, priority focus on, quote, developing closer ties with the private sector to build the human resource capacity to deliver health products and related services for better health outcomes, end quote. Right. So there's lots of different ways that, uh, lots of th different things that go into making that happen. But if there's one thing that you would point out that has to change, what would that be, Kofi? You're right, Scott, there's a lot that can be done and a lot that should be done. Mm. One is too small, but yes, let's try and do one. I think the first thing that we need to really focus on is trust. Mm. How do we build trust between the public sector and the private sector? How do we ensure that the public sector can trust the private sector to play a role in their healthcare system? It is documented that about 75% of the population in low and middle income countries actually seek private healthcare from the private sector. Public sector has the overall governance, overall responsibility to ensure that healthcare is delivered. However, if we want to build competent workforce, we need to learn from the private sector. The private sector needs to understand the public sector. But if we don't trust the private sector, if we don't have the regulatory system, the framework that allows us to work together, then we cannot necessarily benefit from what we, the private sector knows. Mm. And the private sector cannot also play their role as they should in there. And it's not just about the pro provision of commodities. Right. It's also about provision of healthcare services. We need to be able to collaborate and work together. The one thing that we need to build on is building the trust mm. in each other. The two systems need to work together for the population to get the healthcare that they need. Mm. I'm a big believer you gotta look at the silver linings of the horrible pandemic we've all gotten through together, right? But we gotta, we gotta take those lessons learned to heart so it drives action and ultimately drives these outcomes that you both are speaking towards. Um, all right, so Dominique, yeah. what would you add to that? That the power of trust and, and you know, if you wanna maybe share your one thing that needs to happen and then we'll make sure folks know how to connect with you both. Yeah, so I was just gonna say that um, we need to then build leadership capabilities. I mean, one of the goals of professionalization is building that talent pool of leaders mm -hmm. that can lead this, these efforts in country. <clears throat> and um, one of the programs that we're co coordinating currently is called the STEP 2.0, Strategic okay. Training Executive Program. It's in its second generation. Um, and we're basically where we are using traditional learning with on-the-job training to really build skills in supply chain managers. Um, when you think about communication, project management, um, you know, uh, problem solving. Right. So it's those soft skills that need to be developed, but all within like leadership and change management. Yes. Um, and so I, I just feel like that's something that we need to really 
dedicate a lot of resources to. Yes, let's yeah. professionalize the workforce, but make sure they're equipped with the tools and know-how to get stuff done, yeah, right? exactly. And uh, save lives, drive health, better health outcomes, and a lot more. What a noble, incredibly noble, and critical mission that people that deliver is part of. So let's make sure folks that are listening at home, and, and, and I thank you both for your time. I know this is a really brief conversation around a really, some really important topics, but we've got to start somewhere as we spread the awareness. So uh, Kofi Nami, the new chair of People That Deliver. I say new, but you're probably, what, six months in now? Is that roughly? Roughly, yes. Is that roughly? Is it still new? Four, four so so yeah. we can strike new. <laughs> yeah, you can strike new. <laughs> <laughs> so how can folks connect with you, all the great things you're doing? Usual places, you can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn at uh, Kofi Inyami. Um, very happy to discuss, very happy to touch base and talk about how do we professionalize this space and ensure that we have the competent and motivated workforce to deliver the health outcomes that we need. Love that, Kofi. I really love what you do there. Because you, 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 you said a, a critical word there several times, motivated workforce, right? They got to not, not just... Um, get a job, but get a good job that, that, that they want to jump out of bed and, and make things happen every day. We all need that. We all need that. I all need that. All right, so Dominique yeah. Zwinkles, part of the OG here at Supply Chain Now. I'm so happy to Again. hear that. <laughs> no product, no program. We're going to get t-shirts one day. But really appreciate what you're, what all, all of your leadership here, both of you. So Dominique, mm -hmm. uh, how can folks connect with you? But, and equally as important, how can they support what's going on at People That Deliver? Yeah, so they, first of all, go to www.peoplethatdeliver.org. That's our website. Um, we also on Twitter and LinkedIn, so follow us on that. Because one of the things that people can do is really amplify our advocacy messaging. And that's on LinkedIn and Twitter. And so if you can just amplify that, that would be fantastic. All of our resources, technical materials are on our website. So using those to implement certain projects at country level, that's also where we need a lot of help. Um, organizations that are interested in joining our coalition, you know, we are always looking for new members uh, that are willing to either financially support us, technically support us. Um, and then I think the last one is that last year we had um, our very first conference, the okay. PTD Global Indaba, so the people that deliver Global Indaba, uh, first conference in Africa focused on human resource for supply chain management for low and middle income countries. We're going to have the second one in Thailand in March of 2024. Wow. Well, so, going um, global. Yes, going global. Um, last year we had you know, over 250 participants from 40 countries. Um, just showing how there's still such an, uh, a need to discuss this, this, this area of work. Um, but also, you know, of course, people are just so interested in networking and learning from each other. Yeah. So. Networking and learning mm -hmm. and doing with a purpose. And that's what right. I'm hearing here today. Yeah. Um, all right. Big thanks to you both again. Kofi Niame. Thank you. Scott. Wonderful to meet you. Great to have you here. Congrats on uh, serving as chair of People That Deliver. What an organization. And Dominic Zwinkels, executive director with people that deliver. Great to see you finally in person. That's right. And thank you for what you do as well. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. You bet. All right, so folks, continue our coverage here at the SAPIX Annual Conference 2023 in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Stay tuned for a lot more conversations just like this that are going to inspire you and, and hopefully cause you to, to jump in and take action, support these critical organizations doing big things.
Hey everybody, Scott Luton with Supply Chain Now here at SAPIC's Annual Conference 2023 in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. I'm joined by a wonderful repeat guest that we had so much fun with last time, Azuka OKK. How are you doing, Azuka? I'm fine, and thank you, Scott, for having me here. You bet. We had such a great time. When you, you joined me and Jenny Froome, maybe Greg White may have been a part of that. I can't remember, but that was about a year and some change ago, if I had to guess. Yes. 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 And you've continued to move mountains since, haven't you? It's been a great journey, if I can say that. I don't know about moving <laughs> mountains, but it's been great. Thank you. Well, we're going to dive into some of that. Uh, and I want to start with this. So you serve as CEO of the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. Tell us about the organization's mission, Azuka. Thank you. To make it easy for you, ARC ESM, because that's a mouthful. Ah, okay. All <laughs> ARC, right. ARC ESM. Um, we were set up in 2020 yes. with the mission to be the leading resource platform um, for um, government in Nigeria to access supply chain expertise, mm. financing, innovation, and uh, whatever capabilities that are available in the ecosystem to make um, health delivery work. That's our mission. So what, out of all of that, and I, and I really wish we had three or four hours a day. Next time we will, we're gonna book it, Azuka. But out of all of that, what's one of your favorite aspects of that mission? Oh, it has been a, a fantastic journey working with the Nigerian government because when we came on board, one thing that was lacking was um, there was no real institution within the government to take on supply chain solutions. There was a lot of expectations from partners, donor agencies like USAID, BMGF, um, and, and Gavi for government to take on ownership but there was no institution. So we prioritized building the institution within the health system that can operate, run, to adopt whatever policies or strategies that were required to move it to the point of impact. So one key policy change that we enabled the country to deliver was the, we call it the marriage PPP. Okay. Marriage Public-Private Partnership. Okay. And it's really to strengthen the relationship between the health government and local farmer. Ah. It was all to drive uh, purchase of medicines, essential medicines, um, for the achievement of the universal health coverage goal. It has mm. been fantastic because to date um, we have seen, worked with four states in Nigeria. Okay. Um, and, um, and you can see approximately a state has done business with local manufacturers to $2 million yes. a year. So if you can see that um, 37 states in Nigeria, that's a $74 million Wow. business okay. in a year and for us is uh, we are working with four states we see that scale and it's been a fantastic journey it has enabled pharma companies to uh, last year they said it has increased their revenue by five percent okay in profit just 15 companies so imagine the impact of that in nigeria so it's it's, it's not about having the policies is that the government institution can take it on and move it to the point of impact and the economic growth yes all right so let me what I heard there, uh, so two, two big things. Number one, you, you mentioned on the, on the front end of your response how the government expected a lot from supply chain but didn't exactly know how it worked and couldn't support it mm -hmm. and get, couldn't understand it. So some of y'all's work really impacted that to, um, to demystify supply chain management, which I love that. And then the second thing you touched on with big impact, you mentioned um, – uh, how there's a bottom line impact. And, and when we can make a bottom line impact, a lot of times we can drive great outcomes for, for more folks. 
uh, but, but helping the healthcare system to connect and better understand the pharma side of the equation, right? And getting them closer to being on the same side of the table. So again, we can, more, we can find more efficiencies, drive bigger outcomes, and for the private side of companies, which you mentioned, drive bigger profits so we can, we can serve more folks, right? All right, so I wanna keep going down this trend. So it, what else, um, all of that is transformative that you've shared. Is there anything else, because I know you've done this for quite some time. You, you've uh, been, a, been, you and your team have been involved in a lot of different projects. Any other supply chain transformation project in Nigeria or elsewhere comes to your mind that you really, you point at that and say, man, that's exactly why I do what I do. Thank you, thank you. So, I mean, even for government to do business with pharma because you need to look at the credibility of that. One of the things that we had to prioritize was that whole institutional approach, mm. having the right strategy. So when we came on board, the government had um, just uh, developed what they call the National Health Supply Chain Strategy 2021 okay. to 2025. But like so many African countries, it could become a book a record or whatever on the table collecting dust. Mm. What we did was to help them. They called us to say, we want to put this to life, but they didn't know how to implement the strategy. Yeah, operationalize it. Anyone can interpret a strategy anywhere they like. <laughs> so what, what we had to do was help them move into a model. So we developed, we helped the country develop a blueprint yes. for the strategy. And that was what they were able to hand over to states to say, now you have a strategy and the strategy said something. Every state, because Nigeria is like 37 countries, yes. <laughs> every state in Nigeria should set up a, an agency, like a hub, yes. that can run supply chain business. Health is business, so that's mm. the key in Nigeria. Move away from donor dependency yes. and start generating income. So for me, that has been a significant um, work that every other thing has layered on. We work with PTD, mm. for instance. They came up with the health um, supply chain. I'm sorry, that's people that deliver, just yeah, to connect people the dots, right? <laughs> people that deliver. Yes, yes, I yes. mean, they came up with this fantastic um, framework for professionalization. You can't run that framework on nothing. But because Nigeria has that strategy, and there was a missing link, mm. how do we professionalize? It was a clear way to just block that. Having a strategy is fundamental, but implementing strategy is the key. Mm. So being able to work with Nigeria to move from document to action yes. with measurable impact, that is one thing we've done. And I can sleep tomorrow and say, <laughs> it's not all been talk, oh. it's been action. Azuka, I love it. And, and <laughs> I love, I love you, um, how you paint that picture because I bet anyone listening to this conversation or viewing the conversation, they can see the dust collecting on those old strategies. Wow. We build it, you put it away, but then you've got that big old gap between the strategy and to your point, what's going on and how can we help people implement these great ideas and these well best laid plans? Mm. So I love that. Uh, and, and then one last thing you mentioned is how you worked and, and helped these 37 states across the country, the country of Nigeria to really move, make, start to make that shift from donor dependency to generating revenue so they can really create some independence operationally and otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. um, all right, I wish we had a lot more time. Next time, Azuka, <laughs> we're gonna have to uh, book six hours. Um, all right, let's talk about strengthening the supply chain workforce. So this is gonna be a big theme. 
I think, of all of our conversations here at SafePix 2023. So when it comes to strengthening the supply chain workforce locally in Nigeria and, and elsewhere across uh, the continent of Africa, what is one thing, I know there's a lot more, but what's one thing you'd like to call out that's gotta be done? It's important to ask the question to government, who is going to do the work? Mm. Um, and then um, if you say who will do the work, how will they do the work? How will we measure the impact? If you head on, what, what has happened over time? Because we started health supply chain in Nigeria as an emergency solution, humanitarian. Um, the PEPFA funds, uh, mm -hmm. the President's Emergency Funds from Bush, uh, George, President George Bush in those days. But we continued in that way, just training workforce and not being clear how does that fit into the grand scheme of things? Right. So one thing that we, we, we emphasized to government was, you tell us who will do the work. Inaugurate them into a team. Maybe don't think unit, but after a while, move from team to unit. After a while, begin to make sure that there is a clear organogram, responsibility, job descriptions, so that you can be accountable for everything you do. So that must be done. Government must set up a clear team, inaugurate them, and mandate them. So they are not doing multiple things. You train someone, they move here, and you can't hold on, and you can't hold them accountable. So yes. accountability is key. Mm -hmm. Very important. Accountability is incredibly important. You know, Set it and then expect it, yes. right? Um, and the and the simple questions can be the most powerful ones. Who? Yeah, who? And <laughs> Who's one of do this? one of the things we also said was not just tell me who. We need a work plan. We need a budget. We need clear, measurable. What are you? What are your objectives for the, this period of time? So that's what we do in Nigeria. Every state before we bring in any investment from any donor. You must show us who, they must have a work plan, they must have a budget, you, the commissioner, must sign it and approve it. Your budget, you will fund it. Mm. So that you build that workforce on the premise that they are going somewhere. You say in the next two years, you are going to impact availability of medicines, you are going to reduce wastages, you are going to put in visibility systems. Mm we will hold you accountable. The training is an enabler. Sure. Not just train you right. for nothing. Well, plus people, all of us want to know what we're working towards and the, and the greater plan. And, and we want to know where we, everyone wants to know where they fit in. Exactly. It, it helps make the work more gratifying and more informed and- It's a uh, journey. Yes, agreed. Mm. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, one thing. If you look at uh, the supply chain ecosystem across the continent of Africa, I think 46 countries, if mm. I've got that right, make up the country of Africa or the continent of Africa. A lot of folks, mm. a lot of folks, just like, in fact, we were talking about it earlier today. You know, in the U.S., mm. there's 50 states, mm. and each of those 50 states, like I'm from the state of Georgia, mm. we got like 3,000 counties in the mm. state of Georgia. Mm. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it feels <laughs> like it. And and so the point there is, it's such a collection of all different types of people and customs and and cultures mm. and preferences and all that just all that stuff um, so when you think about the supply chain eco ecosystem across the continent of Africa what's one thing you wish more folks knew about it the actors in the supply chain ecosystem in Africa there are um, just like every other place there are three key actors mm. and the important thing is because of the supply chain maturity in Africa which in most countries is quite rudimentary mm. Um, you find that the actors define supply chain differently. So you have the public sector, 
you have the private sector players, yeah. and then you have the academia. Most times we seem to ignore the role of the academia, mm. the, those that are to do the research and innovation. So when we started working, we realized that the three actors were speaking a totally different supply chain language, and we yet expect them to coexist. Mm. So one of the things that must be done is that clear understanding of the role of all the actors and the way they define supply chain. If you bring government to this SWPICS, they'll be totally lost. Right. The way they define supply chain is about decision-making, stakeholders in the room. They don't do the logistics. They make decisions. So the logistics solutions here are what they're supposed to outsource. Right, right, right. So if you're doing such an event, you must accommodate the different actors. Mm. Now the academia, they are completely oblivious of what is happening. <laughs> I am telling you, I was shocked when I started engaging the act. Number one, when we started working in Nigeria, there was no university in Nigeria. We had um, up to 67 universities, not one providing supply chain master's degree. Wow, okay. And when I said, they said, what is supply chain? Mm. You think they know they are not aware. But I'm glad that as at now, up to seven have masters. So it is that making sure everyone is carried along because supply chain is not just about the solutions we're bringing to the table. Yes. The viability of the actors. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I don't know about you, but when I hear people brave enough to ask that question, what is supply chain? I am so glad, and I bet you are too, because once you understand that the gap of knowledge is out there, you can do something about it, right? Um, and, and so whoever the brave individual was in those early conversations, yeah. what is this you speak of, supply chain? What is this? That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing, beautiful part of the, the dialogue. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, we're early on in conference, right? This is like day two. Mm -hmm. Depends on how you, how you categorize Sunday. So what is one of the most inspiring moments, one of the most inspiring things you've heard here thus far at SAPIX 23? I joined a session yesterday, um, it was about design thinking. I was like, okay, I keep hearing this very, uh, you know, these buzzwords, <laughs> cool words. I'm like, so that when I go back, I'll start using it, design thinking. <laughs> so I joined the session and, um, and they were trying to define it, but one thing that caught my attention, um, the presenter said, design thinking is for wicked problems. It's mm. not for every problem in your company. Right. Um, um, pro business problems you solve with business solutions, your strategies, but design thinking is for wicked problems. And I was like, what's wicked problems? He said, they are problems that are multi-dimensional that you need to actually overhaul and you're focusing on the client, you know, and that means that you need to really rethink your strategy. And it doesn't have one solution because it's not one problem, like trying to tackle poverty, trying to tackle health. Mm. So I realized I was in a wicked problem situation. I didn't know that <laughs> because health, really, you can do so much. I mean, if you can imagine the investment yes. poured into countries like Nigeria and Africa as a whole, yet we're still, it's as if we're not meeting the um, sustainable development goals. Mm. So really, it helped, it gave me clarity that it is really a wicked problem we're mm. trying to solve. So. A wicked problem yeah. we're trying to solve. And we need Goodness the gracious. design thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. All right. So, Azuka, yeah. I really appreciate and admire all that you do. Uh, it's great to finally meet you in person for the first time since your last appearance with us. How can more folks connect with you 
Mm -hmm. And the, um, I know you gave me an acronym, but I'm going to read it. <laughs> yeah, so ARC-ESM is how y'all refer to yes. the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. How can folks connect with you and learn more about that? The easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn at Zuki Eno Keke. So, um, um, and then on Twitter, the same handle, Zuki Eno Keke. Um, she can just get Zuki, Z-U-K-Y. Okay. N, as in nurse. Yeah. And then Okeke, O-K-E-K-E, -E, at Zuki and Okeke. If you just connect with me there, then we're on. Yes, <laughs> then we're on and yeah. off to the races. You I know. love that. Azuka, I really appreciate, you know, uh, I appreciate your action. As, as eloquent uh, as your brilliance is, I love your action. And, and it's great to connect with you here today and share some of that with our global audience at Supply Chain Now. Thank so thanks you. so much. Thank you so much, and Glad to have you. You bet. All right. So, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have with Azuka OKK. Make sure you connect and follow her via LinkedIn and Twitter. And I promise you, you will, uh, you'll be missing out if you don't. <laughs> but whatever you do, it's about deeds, not words. Be like Azuka. Do something about these wicked problems that she uh, talked about here today. We all have them, uh, but it's all about what we're doing about them. But whatever you do, uh, stay tuned as we continue our coverage of SafePix 2023 here in lovely Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, give forward, and be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Out. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.